Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's sein Rhythmus, als gäb's sein Lied. Hello and welcome to the Gegenpressing Bundesliga podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm not Bryce Dunn. He's unfortunately away um, celebrating an anniversary with his wife. So I'm jumping in to host this week Manuel Weff, the creator of the Football Grad Network. Um, Oh, joined by Chris Williams, as always. Chris, and I, I am very, very excited to, for this podcast this week because we have a guest on. We've been trying to get on for pretty much an entire year. We do have very a very big guest, and, and we're glad that he's on. And yeah, we've been trying to get him down for ages, and, and finally we found that slot. And we've had a good weekend of football as well to chat about. And, and I know he's been very, very busy this weekend. Uh, joining us this week is Ian Joy, the host of the Foxport Bundesliga show, um, former St. Pauli, I believe it was left back, right, Ian? Um, yes, you're welcome right. Welcome to the show. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Apologies for taking so long to get on, but now I'm finally here. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, and I mean, uh, I, I actually remember you playing for St. Pauli. I had to kind of look and dig into the stats. You played a little bit in Bundesliga too, right? But um, yeah. Your longest stint was when they were in the Regionalliga, which of course many people won't remember. Um, that was actually the third division at the time. Yeah, you're making me feel old now going back to the Regionalliga days. Yeah, it was it was pretty much a, a blessing going to Germany. You know, I first and foremost signed for, for Hamburg and I played for the Amatura side for a year and a half. And and before I went to St. Pauli, so I was I was kind of settled in Hamburg, really enjoying the city and enjoying my football. And then when St. Pauli comes calling, you go. And at mm. that point, they were in the Regionalliga and always trying to to get promoted, um, but lacking in money as ever. And then all of a sudden, we managed to put a great squad of players together, good team chemistry, and and fought our way into the the second Bundesliga. So special times, great memories. Yeah, we're so, so happy to have you on. I'm really looking forward to chat all, ab all about all the results that we had this week. Um, so before we jump into our topic, let's go over the uh, results of the weekend. Um, it started on Friday with Schalke beating Mainz 2-1, Freiburg and Augsburg 1-1, Hertha finally recording a win 2-1 against newly promoted Paderborn, Leverkusen 2-0 against Union, Bayern celebrating the start of the Oktoberfest in style with a 4-0 win over Köln. Bremen 0-3 against Leipzig, a game that Chris was at. Gladbach 2-1 over Fortuna. Frankfurt against Dortmund 2-2. And you might be wondering about the Monday game result. Um, of course, us recording on Sunday, we will not be able to chat about Monday's game, but there will be content on the Football Grad Network. Um, let's jump into the, the Schalke game. Um, That's it was a brilliant start by Schalke, Ian, and um, once again Amit Harit, a great player who's really come to life this year, hasn't he? Yeah, I mean, 
terrific performance from him individually. And he's been very good, obviously. Uh, since the season began, it's been a difficult time getting Wagner, you know, up to scratch and, and him used to the players and trying to get the formation and uh, the team that he wants to play. He's brought in some new faces and eventually it starts to click. And, and of course, people have to be patient with these things when a new coach comes in. And for me, there's a standout performer and it is Amina Harid. I think he's been um, a terrific performer over the last couple of match days. Um, I thought he was excellent in Paderborn. And then again, to steal the match the way he did do, because at some point in that game, you thought, wow, Mainz are going to steal a point in this game before he produced that moment of magic. And we all know what type of player he is. We're just waiting to see that quality on a consistent basis. I think he's such a special talent and there's a lot more to come from him, but that was just a glimpse of his beauty. And if he continues to perform like that, it's going to be very, very difficult for Schalke to keep a hold of a player like that, especially with him being so young. Yeah, that that, that game-winning goal, um, it, was an, it was a magnificent goal. If you have the chance to watch it back, absolutely brilliant. Chris, um, I know you more of a Dortmund fan, but Schalke, five games, 10 points. They have the same amount of points as Borussia Dortmund after match day five. Um, do you think that they're a little bit ahead of their trajectory? I mean, this has been a very strong start by them. Yeah, I, I don't know if they're ahead of, of the trajectory that they set themselves because I think David Wagner always needed a little bit of time when he came in. Um, I was at Paderborn last weekend I thought they were they were they were okay first half. He got them in at the break, had a chat with them, did a little bit of tweaking with the formation, sent them back out. Um, and in that match report from last week, I put down that they were a second half complete difference. They were a really good side and and playing the sort of football that David Wagner showed when he was at Huddersfield, um, especially when they were first in the Premier League. It's a real attacking phase of football and. It, it suits German football down to the T. Obviously, it would do because it's David Wagner, but um, it's starting to get it of a consistent nature in Schalke, and that's something that they've been missing for the last couple of seasons. Um, it's early days, but it's looking very good for them. Um, I predicted that they might scrape into the European places, but the way they're playing at the moment, if they can keep that consistency up, um, then that may look a definite for them. It's going to be a bit more challenging for them when they come up against maybe some, some bigger and better sides as such. But um, they made easy work of Paderborn last week. And, um, you know, this week they, they did well um, to to beat Mainz, who can be as good as they can be bad at times. But you can, as we say all the time, you can only beat the team that's in front of you. And for the last two weeks, Schalke have done that really convincingly. I must admit, though, that the biggest problem I noticed with the Schalke side, especially going forward, is the striker situation. Like, if they have a proven goal scorer in that team, you know, this team can really challenge for a European place, as you talked about. You know, they're lacking that killer inside that penalty area. And Borgstaller frustrates me at times because, you know, he's, he's a big boy. He gets himself in some great positions. At times, he misses an easier opportunity. And then at other times, he creates an opportunity for himself where he probably shouldn't. So at some point, you just hope that that striker, I'm not sure if it's going to be a Borgstaller or a Kutuchu or whoever it may be, you know, we want to see that that person step up for Schalke. And if they do find a, a 15, 20 goal a season striker there, number nine, it could be really dangerous. Yeah, that's a really good point because when he joined um, Schalke in that in the winter window a couple of seasons back, he was absolutely flying. He was flying in the second Bundesliga. He started at Schalke. Everything he was touching was going in the back of the net. And unfortunately, that's just fallen off for him a little bit. 
I don't know how much that was maybe to do with the play that was under the previous head coaches, but if he's looking to play in a really attacking side and maybe to get back in the goals, he can't go wrong with David Wagner. So I hope for him he can refine that form that he went to Schalke with because he was certainly one of our favourite attackers when he first got there, wasn't he, Manu? Yeah, absolutely. But I, I do actually agree. I think that right now that was that that's one of the weaknesses that we identified ahead of the season, right? That we said, okay, well, who's going to play up front for them? I know Mark Gut is back from injury and he had so much potential when he first joined from Hoffenheim. I mean, we all agreed that was a real steal by Heidler and it, uh, and it just didn't work out um, for one reason or another. Many, many injuries, of course. And so maybe that's a player um, who can play a much bigger role. But I'm 100% with Ian. They, they need a player who can guarantee them 15 goals a season, right? And I'm not sure that Boxdaler is that player at the moment. So that's a big question mark for me. Um, but Ian, I was going to ask you, um, Weston McKenney, he's he's been playing a really big role at Schalke. And there was even some questions whether he could even be the captain this year. He has really grown as a player and as a leader on that on that team, hasn't he? Yes, he has. But at the same time, I still think there's a lot more to come from Weston McKinney. You know, I, I love him as a as a character. You can clearly tell he's well liked in that dressing room. You can tell that he's he's a he's definitely a type of player that a coach would love to have because he, he seems like a good listener. He works hard. He's got some really good quality in his play. Um, I still wait for something more from him. Um, getting forward, I think he can be dangerous. He's a big boy. He's not a small lad. Like this is a big boy who can be pretty dangerous arriving into the box late from midfield. Um, and trying to lock down a, a proper position where he is going to be a lock in that team has been pretty difficult for him. You know, last season in particular, he played in probably eight different positions for Schalke. So for him, so important this season to try and lock down sort of a number six role, whether it's alongside Mascarell or if it's playing himself in that role, or if he's even given opportunity to push forward from that number six role. I'd like to see him in that position because I think he's a battler. I think he works hard. He's good at tracking back. He's good at getting forward late into the box. And and that's a position where I see him thriving and becoming a better player. So for the U.S. national team as well, he's got to try and continue to be more consistent bring top performances week in and week out in the Bundesliga. And with Schalke starting to really pick up their results, winning consistently, confidence comes back as well. And once you get familiar with a new coach and you hope that that American tie will help Weston McKinney, I think we'll start to see a better Weston McKinney you know, than we've ever seen before in the Bundesliga. I think you, you pinpoint that quite clearly. And I thought about this too quite a bit. It's similar to the... Joshua Kimmich debate at at Bayern, right? Because he played and plays so many different positions. It's almost like every time there's a hole anywhere on the pitch, the coaches throw him into that role because they, they know he can play it. I mean, at one point last year, he played striker. Yeah. And it, that's, I think that for a young player, yes, it's, it's great if you're a young player and you can play pretty much every role, but it's also, you kind of want to nail down the position that you can grow in, right? Yeah, I mean, it's so easy as a young player coming into the Bundesliga where people don't expect much from you and you're just desperate for an opportunity to play and to impress. Uh, you play anywhere. And, and that's what Weston McKinney, I feel like, has been doing. He's, he's now you know, a regular in the first team. And, and I think when you get to the point where you can go into the head coach's 
room and ask him, hey, listen, I want to lock down a position to stay in that position so that I can learn it, be better, become a better player. I can play that position for my national team and obviously help improve this team where you can maybe build around that. Um, and this season, it looks like that's what David Wagner wants to put him in that sort of number six role. So I'm excited for Weston McKinney playing in this team. I really hope Schalke can find that consistency where they're beating some good teams and can stay in the top half of the table. I think he was he was almost a victim of his own success, especially under Tedesco, because he could be relied on. If he was just a central midfielder and, and he couldn't play anywhere else, I think he may have locked down that position. But because he is defensively minded and he can play further up the field as well, he was almost, a, oh, well, you can just fill in there. And I, I genuinely don't think that helped him. And, and David Wagner, he's a really good man-manager. and I think he'll know... He knows where his players sit best, and I'd be shocked if he starts to rotate them out of position, um, which I think helped to to really push Schalke down the table. Players didn't know where they were going, where they were coming, what instructions were different one Saturday to the following Sunday. And I think now this could be the stability that they need because they are the third biggest team in Germany by volume, support, and money. And you know, under David Wagner, they have a chance maybe to get maybe not to the third biggest team because Leipzig, who they play next week. Are firmly in that in that threshold now of those top three teams, but they can certainly be knocking on the door of those around them. Yeah, no doubt about it. Having uh, consistency and confidence in a head coach is so important. And if you're a player in that dressing room and you've seen what's gone down over the last four or five years at Schalke, there's really no confidence in the club or even your own future as a player of how long you're going to be there. So having a consistent coach that you know year in and year out is going to have the backing of the club, even when times are tough, is important. And I think David Wagner's gone there for a reason. He sees this as a sleeping giant. He sees this as a club that finally needs to be competing year in and year out to try and end up in the top four. And if they do that, if they do finish in the top four position, it may not be this season, it may be next season, I think they can consistently start to do it because then you start to attract a better quality player. You start to be able to give you know consistency to the players who are already there, who we've maybe not seen the best of. And, and as you mentioned, you know, this is a proven coach at a high, high level. He's been in the Premier League and he's done an excellent job. He impressed everybody, sort of came out of nowhere. And now all of a sudden people are expecting great things from him. You have to give him some time. And I think he can build pretty something pretty special at Schalke. I really believe that. Yeah. Speaking of special, um, this is my favorite, this most special time of the year, uh, being from Munich. I want to transition this to Bayern Munich and the Oktoberfest, guys. Um, you know, I, I saw that you guys had the beer cellar as always, Ian. You know, <laughs> uh, I, I just love it. You know, when I'm not home, although there's a good chance that I will be home very soon, I always try to get back to Munich when, when this time of the year rolls around for various obvious reasons. Uh, you know, for Bayern, though, this has not been a happy times. Um, they went into the game against Köln having um, one just one of the last eight games um, during the Oktoberfest times, and they failed to win their last four home games. And this is, this is, I mean, this is remarkable. I mean, anyone who knows Bayern through the ages and the times that they have spent, uh, the, the way Oktoberfest really captures the entire city, um, it's really difficult to imagine how, what that actually means. So for them to face Köln, a team that actually has been unbeaten in the last four Oktoberfest games, um, was something where people said, okay, well, maybe Köln can cause a little bit of an upset. But, I mean, Bayern were remarkably good, weren't they? Um, Lewandowski with that opening goal, I think if they 
I have read some suggestions that there could be other number nines out there that are better than him, but I really don't find any player um, on his level at the moment, period, anywhere in the world. Yeah, I think we're we're blessed really to be able to watch Lewandowski in the Bundesliga for as long as we've already seen him because notoriously, you know, in the Bundesliga, when there is a goal scorer that scores as many goals as he has, they have a tendency to leave. And and I, and I never, ever wanted to see that. You know, I had the opportunity to meet him a couple of years ago. I was doing a shoot for Nike and um, I asked about his future off camera and he mentioned the possibility of potentially finishing his career outside of the Bundesliga because he had a passion for Arsenal Football Club and his, you know, one of his heroes was Thierry Henry. And, you know, and I thought, wow, you know, why would he ever want to leave the Bundesliga? This guy's scoring so many goals. But when you've got a dream and a vision, maybe the player decides to move. But I don't think his age has helped him much with the you know, possibility of a transfer and a high transfer fee because the transfer fees have gone way too high. I mean, to replace a Lewandowski, you're talking into the hundreds of millions now. And that's never going to happen at Bayern. So why not just fight to keep this player in the Bundesliga, try to keep him as happy as you can, supply him with quality players around him that will create opportunities for him to score as many goals as he is going. And again, at the weekend, getting off to such a strong start. I mean, he's mind-blowingly good this season. And at some point, he's going to have to slow down, but I just don't see it anytime soon. He's been great to watch. He's a great character on and off the field. I think he's a great representation for Bayern. I think he's a great representation for the Bundesliga. Wherever he goes, everybody talks about the Bundesliga. And I'm proud to obviously watch him play his career out in the Bundesliga. I think he'll finish his career at Bayern now. Um, and I just don't see the goal slowing down anytime soon. And long may it continue for us fans of the league. Yeah, I was very fortunate to meet him at the uh, DFL Super Cup, Ian. And what really struck me was, you know, at that point, he was very much it was very much decided that he would not leave the league, right? Bayern made it. I think Bayern were very clear yep. very early on. Like they have been with with previous superstars that they have. We are not a seller's club. You know, this we are the pinnacle of world football. If you're here, we might not spend the same amount of money than some of the other big clubs, but once you are here, that's it. You know, this is there is no further. Um, so I think they were very good keeping him and basically telling him like, look, we, we don't need to sell you. We have, we have all the money in the world. Why would we ask for money? And we can't replace you. Obviously not. But I really thought was impressive about that, that Lewandowski accept, not only accepted that faith, but he also was very outspoken about the needs for him, that he, the needs that he needs at the club for him to be successful there. So when I spoke to him at the DFL Super Cup, he said like, we need four more players. We need four more star players. Otherwise, we're not going to be successful in the Bundesliga and not successful in Europe. And, you know, this was right in the middle when the club was negotiating very heavily for Leroy Sané. Mm -hmm. And transfer that, of course, fell through. But um, they then went out and got, got him Coutinho. And I said, like, literally, they got him Coutinho. Because when you look at that game against Köln, yeah, I felt that was, that was a partnership in the making. I, I don't think we have actually seen how good that partnership can become because they were absolutely brilliant together, weren't they? Yeah, you're right. I think going and getting him the players that will make him the striker that he knows he can be and keep him happy scoring goals 
you know, you've got a, a genius there. And, and really the deal for Bayern is an incredible one to be able to get him at this stage in his career, especially after being sold to Spain for such a high price tag. He's perfect. And I mean, I, I think the game that would explain it most would have been the first game of the season against Hertha. Coutinho, what was missing in that game? If you had a Coutinho in that game, he's the player that can break defences. He can break down, you know, teams that sit back. He, he just finds a pass that other players just don't seem to be able to see. But the other point you make there about Bayern being such this, this superstar club that we don't need to sell our superstars. If you think of the players who Bayern have brought to the club and, and, and they've scored goals and been successful, you go to a Pizarro, even a, a Giovanni Elber. I go to even a, a Miroslav Klose or, or Mario Gomez. You, these are all superstars. They're good. But I think Lewandowski is on another level. I think we're talking Lewandowski with the record, the records that he's breaking, with how many goals he is scoring and how quickly he's scoring it. He is up there with probably the top 10 players ever to have ever played the game. And I don't think enough people are talking about the job he has done in the Bundesliga and how good he is. I think he deserves a lot more credit. You know, I think this weekend was his 202nd goal for Bayern in a competitive game and, and 250 competitive games. You know, that is an unbelievable record. And again, I go back to it. He doesn't look like he's slowing down anytime soon. Yeah, Gris, um, Lewandowski is currently on on pace for 61.2 goals this season. Um, the Bundesliga, <laughs> the Bundesliga record is at 40 goals. <laughs> you know, of course, there's not going to be half goals or whatever. Yeah, I just I put in the math quickly after the uh, the game against <laughs> Köln because I mean nine goals in five Bundesliga games. That is a ridiculous record. How do you see him at the moment? Well, I see him as uh, the way I see him every season, which is he's a goal scorer. I know we jokingly had a conversation online the other day where. Um, I said maybe he's not the best number nine in the world, but as an out-and-out centre-forward, I think anybody worth their salt that watches football, be if they only watch the Bundesliga in passing, they'll know all about him. He would be a guaranteed one of the first names on, on any pitch that I had if I was a manager. Um, he's just so good and because he makes a goal out of nothing. Um, he scores important goals, which is something he's always had, but he's really added to his game. There was a lot of questions over him, especially in Europe. You know, did he score in the big games? He sort of answered that. He scored in in really big games last season when Bayern needed him to pull them up and to get them towards that title, which they got in the end. And it's because of players uh, like him who have just got talent and just talent coming out of them constantly. I mean, he's he's one of the, like Ian said, he's one of the best all-round goal scorers. I think that that I can certainly say that I've seen in my lifetime. And the only thing that I wish he'd had would be maybe more um, titles outside of Germany under his belt. So a couple more Champions League. Obviously, with his nationality, he's never going to win the World Cup. But if he was born, if he was born French, or if he was born Italian, and he and he had that opportunity with the national side, I think people would be speaking of him um, in a higher way, which which he's deserved of anyway. That's a good point you make, Chris. There, as far as the Champions League goes, because there has been big games where Lewandowski's not showed up, and I think that maybe holds him back a little bit as far as the way people view him and, and the fact that, you know, maybe he's, he's got on the big occasion and he's just not taken a chance or he's just been quiet or for whatever reason, he hasn't scored the goal. And, and that's been a bit disappointing, but I still think that for what he has done for the Bundesliga, 
I mean, he is an absolute great. He's an iconic player and certainly, in my opinion, one of the best who's ever played in this league. Yeah. Do you guys think that, and this is a question for both of you, and I've been actually thinking about it this week um, as I wrote an article um, on Lewandowski. In the past, he had Thomas Müller sort of as his as his backup player, right? Thomas Müller's form has really dipped in the last couple of seasons, and now they're bringing Coutinho. Is that maybe that missing piece for Bayern and Lewandowski to finally get that international title? And this is for both of you, Chris. Maybe you want to start because you watched Coutinho, of course, plenty at Liverpool. Yeah, on his game, um, he is virtually unplayable. And I think he's getting close to that because it's going to take him a little time to settle. I think we can discount the Barcelona um, episode that he had. When he left Liverpool, he was one of the best um, number 10s, in essence, in the world. Um, he could change a game single-handedly, went to Old Trafford in the Europa League, um, scored a fantastic goal, turned the game on its head. Liverpool, after he left, obviously have gone on to, to win more without him, but there was a real hole when he left, and that hole was for a lock picker, a little bit of creativeness that can just find your main striker. Um, and if you look at the strikers he's worked with over his time at Liverpool... Um, I think in Robert Lewandowski, he's got someone who he can make a real partnership with. And when that clicks, um, I don't know if Lewandowski will hit 62 goals, Manu, but he will hit a lot because once they work out together, I think this is going to be a frightening proposition for any Bundesliga defence because what do you do with Coutinho? Do you go up close to him and he feeds in Lewandowski or do you drop off and let him cut inside and, and unleash a shot, which we've seen um, not just at Liverpool, but he's due for Brazil. We've seen him do it in the Champions League, Europa League. Um, it's a it's a catch-22 situation for defenders to stick close to Felipe Coutinho or to drop off. And in essence, you can do neither. And that's what most defenders end up doing. Yeah, I don't really need to add too much to that. You know, I think Coutinho is the player that the Bayern needed to have. Um, a bit of experience there. He's played on the big stage. He can deal with uh, teams sitting back and, and you've got to try and find a way to break down 10 players standing behind the ball plus the goalkeeper. Um, he's a magic player. And, um, you know, Nico Kovac said at his press conference leading up to the Cologne game where he sees things that other players simply just don't see. And, and I don't think you could describe it any better. Um, I've watched this guy for a long time in his career. And, and you're right, Chris, I think his Liverpool days, we've probably seen the best of him. Um, but he was pretty good at Inter for a while there as well. And at some stage, you know, you want to make sure he jumps to that next level to become a world-class player. And he did that at Liverpool. And he did make Liverpool a better club, put them back on the map and, and had them challenging once again. And for whatever reason, they decided to sell him. It was a big price tag, I know. Um, but it didn't surprise me that a team like Barcelona would want him. It hasn't worked out. And for Bayern's benefit, they get to get this player. And I think the deal for Bayern is pretty good right now because you're getting an opportunity to have, in my opinion, a world-class creator, a world-class player who can open and unlock any defense. He can score a goal. He can entertain. The fans will love watching him. He looks like a great kid to have around the dressing room with all the guys. And he fits in pretty well. So I'm excited he's there because I, I think that that could possibly be the key for, for Bayern, you know, winning the championship or not. Do you think then, Ian, because, I mean, he was to a certain extent the plan B, right? It sounds like harsh, but I mean, yep. Leroy Sané was the target. 
they have an option to buy him. Do you think that maybe they were almost lucky to be pushed? You know, in Germany, we have this nice thing, you being pushed into your luck. Were Bayern pushed into the luck by Sané going down with that injury, um, as horrible that is personally for him, and having to be forced to sign Coutinho? Because I was a little bit, I had my doubts a little bit whether Coutinho was the player that they were looking for. But now seeing games like the one against Köln, there was moments against Rina Svetzda in the Champions League as well. I actually think for Lewandowski, it's almost a better fit. And a Bayern maybe just, is that going to be their main transfer target then next summer, you know, when they have to maybe exercise that option? Well, I think it's down to how he performs because you can go to Bayern and if the team doesn't win, then you can guarantee that Bayern will probably be looking to spend the money elsewhere and try to find out what went wrong with their season. But if they win uh, a couple of trophies again, and he's the main player who is basically the magic man creating and, and scoring goals, and and obviously Lewandowski has a big say in who will come into the club as well, um, I, I think there's no reason they wouldn't go to spend over $100 million on this guy. So it, it's in Bayern's court. It's in the player's court. I think this is perfect for the player as well, because you're going to a league that notoriously is famous for giving attacking players opportunity. And, and and there are few better players in the world's game. When he's on his game, I think this kid can really be one of the best. And there's no reason why he cannot have a successful season at Bayern. Bayern be dangerous, much more dangerous in the Champions League with him than without him, and go ahead and win a couple of trophies. And if they do that, I don't see any reason why their attention wouldn't turn on trying to get him in the door rather than Leroy Zani. When someone steps out, unfortunately, with an injury or, or whatever it may be, it gives an opportunity to somebody else. Plan B might turn into plan A. I think Coutinho goes into Bayern in in maybe which is the ideal scenario for him. He's, he's, he's not flown under the radar because he's a world-class player, but when he left um, Liverpool to go to Barcelona, he, there was a deal with Nike where he paid a proportion of, of a percentage of the fee to get him there. Um, it was heralded as a major sign and it came with a lot of pressure. I think now at Bayern, the pressure's off him and he's just able to play football, surrounded by players who want to see him. He's, he hasn't got the press constantly on his back. He hasn't got supporters on his back. He hasn't got people comparing him to what he was like 12 months earlier. He's just going to be given the opportunity to play. And, and it reminds me of the time when he came from Inter to Liverpool. He was just given that opportunity to play and we all saw what happened there. So this this could be a really big deal for Bayern. Um, and it throws up the question, if he does play well and Sané comes available, do they just go and get him anyway? Because we know Bayern want to win the Champions League. And yeah, OK, they can win the Bundesliga with good players. But in order to win that next trophy that they, that's evaded them for so long now, they'll want to have real strength in depth. So maybe they could end up with the both of them. It's a frightening prospect to think that an informed Coutinho, an informed Lewandowski... Adding Coman and Gnabry and Sane to the mix, Ooh, I, I mean, I think it'd be tough to find a much more dangerous forward line. I, I think the only question mark for me is what happens if Lewandowski, God forbid, picks up that one injury, right? That yep. he has never had an injury because he's remarkably professional. The way he trains, um, I mean, his wife is a fitness instructor, and you, you can really tell that 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 he's benefiting from that a lot. Um, He's 31 now, though, and, you know, we all know everyone who plays soccer knows it's not a question of if, it's a question of when that injury comes. And I think that is the only 
if Bayern, Bayern, he's literally the only player they cannot replace. I think everyone else is replaceable. But if Lewandowski goes down with an injury, I think they're going to have a real, real problem. Not only in the Champions League, but also in the Bundesliga. So I think that's going to keeping him fit and happy is going to be the the main thing for Bayern going forward. Yeah, one hundred percent. If you lose Lewandowski, the whole future changes for Bayern because they ha- they're forced to then turn their attention to a goal scorer, um, and I, and I'm not sure they have that in their ranks, you know. So they need to go ahead and spend money. And I mentioned it before to replace the goals that Lewandowski scores would be almost impossible for Bayern. So you hope and you touch wood that he stays fit and healthy because he's a joy to watch week in and week out. Um, and I think that he is the player that is probably most happiest that Coutinho has arrived at the club because he's now got that little magician in midfield that can make magic happen. Yeah, of course, Chris, uh, you watched a player that everyone thought would come to Bayern to be the understudy to um, Robert Lewandowski on the weekend. You went to see uh, Werder Bremen take on RB Leipzig. Um, Timo Werner, this, this was one of the few games this season where he did not score, but you know it wasn't like that Leipzig needed the help because they were remarkably good again, weren't they? Yeah, they were. Um, for the match report um, I did on um, on Football Stat, I put that tabletop as Leipzig looked the real deal, and they did. I, I was in Bremen the other week um, in the Weisserstadion when I saw them play Augsburg, and they were on the front foot, and they played very, very well. Um, bit of a different game. I don't think Werder Bremen were able to go toe-to-toe with Leipzig, so they sat back and tried to pinch them on the break. Um, it didn't work for them. Um, Leipzig were very clinical. Um, Sabitzer was excellent, as he was a couple of weeks previously um, when I saw them. I think it was very back the first game I've seen in the against Union Berlin. Um, he was Leipzig and Sabitzer were excellent that day. Um this Leipzig side have a real look of, of a team that can do something under Nagelsmann. Um, it's interesting you say maybe Werner didn't really play as well as maybe he could have done. Nagelsmann shouted him over um, and gave him some specific instructions, said he was too far apart from Sabat, so wanted him closer to the middle. And then he ran over um, Werner and, and gave a debrief to Sabat, So And after that, Leipzig controlled the game even more and um, went on to win convincingly in the end. And it could have been a lot more. So, yeah, Nagelsmann, the addition of him to this side and and the wonderful coaching that he brings and and the squad he's got now, I I really think that they're a force to be reckoned with. And this wasn't a free-flowing game. It was what I'd call a champion's performance, the sort of performance that champions do they go away to maybe a difficult stadium and they grind out a result and a very very good result without really being threatened and that's what i thought they did this weekend do you love watching live tv but are tired of your huge cable bill sling tv has the same top cable channels for as little as half the price so you can save hundreds of dollars while still watching your favorite sports news reality tv and more Ditch cable and get Sling's total live streaming solution with free local channels. Setup and installation are included. Make the smart choice and switch to Sling TV. Get the best of cable for the best price. Learn more at sling.com slash cut cable. That's sling.com slash cut cable. Setup and installation included with $49 down and $20 a month for 12 months. Restrictions apply. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? 
Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. I think Leipzig are a team that the Bundesliga right now are excited about because every single time they turn out, you don't get that flat performance every three games. You're getting energy, you're getting entertainment. There's an excitement, there's a buzz about that team when you watch them play. And even if they have played in a Champions League game three or four days beforehand, they're buzzing to get back out on the field and play. And Nagelsmann has that energy on the sideline. I was excited to see if he would make many changes, what he would do um, with the formation, what he would do with the players, you know, as man management goes. And it looks like the players are reacting immediately to this guy. Um, he's got a buzz about himself, a smile in every interview he does. You know, you guys have already seen it. He's got a smile on his face and he's excited to be at the club and and hopefully take them to the next level. And, and I know that Leipzig will always be that team that we look at for scoring goals and entertaining going forward. Zabitzer has been outstanding. And I'm glad you mentioned that, Chris, because he's been such a pleasure to watch. I think he's getting better and better. You know, you forget how young he actually is. So there's still room for him to improve. But I'm most, impre- I'm most impressed with the way they defend Leipzig, how solid they are, how, how they fight for one another. They can change. They can take one piece out and put another piece in that back line. And it's almost as if they don't miss a beat. Um, they're dangerous on set plays. Uh, corner kicks, obviously, was, it was great for them this weekend with Orban getting that goal. Um, but they've got every single box checked right now, Leipzig. But can they consistently do that throughout the whole course of the season? Everyone right now will be watching Leipzig and waiting for them to fail or fall at some hurdle. And I don't know if they will. Watching them perform so far, they haven't shown any sign of slowing down. It looks like they've built a quality squad um, that is deep enough to be able to compete in multiple competitions and, and go deep and go far in competitions. So I'm excited about them. There's a youth myth to that team and to that club that is really, really exciting. Uh, and I think it's great for the Bundesliga in general that n- there is not going to be a two-horse race. It looks like there's going to be a three-horse race. And and Leipzig right now are the one that's leading it by a mile. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you're bringing all of that up, Ian, because I, I watched your show today on uh, Fox and your colleague called them a flash in the pan. Mm-hmm. Um and I, I just really can't agree with that. I mean, if I watched Leipzig over the years. Uh, I know Chris and I have been there in, in their initial season. We went to that, that famous game where they played, um, where, where they were up several times, but lost 5-4 in the end to Bayern on match day 33. I think it's two years now, three years ago now. We've been doing this podcast mm-hmm. for quite a while. And seeing the club grow and putting all these little pieces together without actually losing too many key players. I think this is something that we have to keep in mind as well because they lost, of course, they lost Navy Cater, but other than that, they could really dictate who they're going to lose and who they're going to keep. Even with Kimo Werner, they, st- they stood the ground and successfully so in the end, right? And I, I really feel that when you look at their squad overall, all the players that they have, I would actually argue one of the best midfielders right now, Tyler Adams, is out with an injury. And yet they don't lose 
they just, they just keep, keep going. They, they churn out resort after resort after resort. I mean, a couple of years ago when they were in the Champions League, you could guarantee that they would lose the game after that. But now they're just, you know, they're just, they have that ability to transition to the next game because there's so much strength and depth. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing, really. They, they managed to do that. But what impresses me most about Leipzig and, and the players that they sign, um, if they don't work out quickly, they make a change. And they're not frightened to spend money. And it's not as if they're overspending for these players. They're finding players from France or in Austria or wherever it may be, in England even in particular recently. They're, they're finding these young players who are wanting to impress, wanting to improve, come with a great attitude, want to play in a big league and, and able to sign them either on loan or get them in a, in a, a really cheap transfer fee, especially the French players they've brought in. It's been incredible. The, the, the little money that they spend on these players and the value that they're turning them into, but they're still managing to be able to keep a hold of their best players. So you're totally right. You know, Nabi Keita was an unfortunate one, uh, and I would have liked to have seen what this Leipzig team would be like now with him in his prime. Um, but at the same time, you know, you have to move on, and they've done a great job of, of getting that squad full of top, top talent. And it looks like they're deep enough now to be able to compete the game against Bayern was a great example. You know, years ago, you just mentioned it. They might have lost that game, but they managed to get something from that game. And they're sitting top of the table for a reason. They've been the most consistent team, very, very difficult to score goals against. Um, and that's not normal, in my opinion, for Nagelsmann. You know, he is a he's a coach that almost has this mentality of scoring more goals than the opposition and sometimes forgets about you know, his defensive duties and, and how important it is to stop teams from scoring against you. Um, but he is working with better players and, and some of these young kids are so impressive. They've been fantastic to watch. And, you know, there's two or three stars there who are still got room to improve. I, I think that they're doing it the right way. I know they're not liked in Germany because of, of who they're backed by and what happened with Markenstadt, etc. But it's not like they are um, some of the other big teams in Europe who will just go and spend 50 million on, on one centre-back or one left-back. And if he isn't particularly up to market, go and get another 50 million pound player afterwards. And I'm glad you mentioned the transfers there, Reem, because over the summer, they spent 48 million pounds on five players. And I don't know any other team in Europe that can spend that amount of money on five quality additions. Um, it's remarkable. And, I know Manu and I sometimes have a joke, oh, yeah, but they'll get someone from Salzburg for like 10 pence or 10 cents. Um, but they are doing it in the right way. Um, and, you know, you're quite right. Nagelsmann seems to have learned. I was frustrated watching them in the Champions League. I was frustrated even as a Liverpool fan and covering them at Anfield when they went out. I was frustrated from a league perspective about how maybe naive Nagelsmann was a bit. But he has done his growing up and his learning right in the public eye. And he seems to be making every decision the right one. And yeah, th these two go together like a hand and a, and a good glove, I think. Yeah, but you're also getting the best out of the players that they've got right now as well. You know, and, and it will come to a stage where there's going to be a few players who will dip in their form. But as I mentioned earlier, it, it looks like they've got a big, deep squad 
a talented squad that if you take one player out who's not in form or is suspended or has been away on international duty or whatever it may be and you want to replace them with another player previously over the last few seasons they've they've maybe struggled to step into that starting 11 and perform as good as the previous player where now you know it's it's very difficult to get in that starting 11 and when you get in there you better perform to stay there and if you don't you, another player is going to step in and perform. It might be a while before you get back into that team. He's managing it very well, Nagelsmann, already. He's only been at the club for a short period of time. And every single one of those players looks like they're having a great time. He's sharing the minutes pretty equally. It's not as if he's sticking with a consistent starting 11. And and I'm really impressed. I, I just, I'm amazed, especially with uh, a lot of the younger players, because we're talking about 19 and 20 year old players that they've got playing in that starting 11 consistently and, and producing top, top level Bundesliga performances. Ian, do you think that comes with his age? Because he is such a young coach. Do you think the gap between his, his play, his youth players in inverted commas and him is, is so narrow that he gets them and vice versa, they get him. I don't know if you've heard um, as much as I've heard around the Bundesliga with whispers of him, you know, maybe being a little bit cocky or arrogant and certain players not liking him in the squad, because that's what I've been told over the years about Nagelsmann. But from the outside looking in, uh, forgetting the whispers, I see a coach that connects with his players. I see a coach that's enthusiastic. He, he cheers every single goal like it's the last one he'll ever celebrate. He, um, he has a strange sense of dress on the sideline, but at the same time, he's got a smile on his face and he's very, very passionate about his team. When you have young players, it's really easy to connect with them because they, they listen to everything you say, especially if they're, they're willing to learn. They'll listen to everything you say. They'll do exactly what you say. And maybe that's what a Nagelsmann needs. But at the same time, it's really important to have that experience. They got a top-class goalkeeper that maybe doesn't get talked about enough. Um, and he's got great experience there. Uh, I mean, they've, they've got these 26 and 7-year-olds that are in the prime of their career. And dare I say it, maybe it's all coming together at the right time for Leipzig. The experience from disappointment in big games over the last few years is there poor performances in the Champions League from, from them individually and maybe also from Nagelsmann as you mentioned there Chris like going into some of the, the games he's performed and put teams out or or allowed silly defeats at high score lines in the Champions League you can't put a price on the experience I think he's a wonderful coach he's already proved that he's very very good and I think if you just get that team spirit to the next level and everybody happy they've all got a buzz about playing they certainly have the quality to do damage domestically and I also think internationally this year as well. Yeah, average squad age is 22.7. Youngest team in the league by a mile. Um, it's very scary and it shows you the amount of potential there is. Even if they do not win the title this year, there is a lot of room to grow. Um, before we head on to the next game, actually, I wanted to speak about two Americans. The first one, of course, in this game, um, Josh Sargent. He's getting a lot of playing time because there's a lot of injuries in that Werder side. How do you see his development? Because I've heard him compared to someone like Miroslav Klose in the past. Um, but, of course, he needs to be scoring more goals, doesn't he? Yes, I think I think when you're playing a striker, you always have to score goals. And this is the league to do it. And if you're a young player and you want opportunity, the Bundesliga, in my opinion, is the best league to do it. 
because you always seem to get a chance if you've got something special about you. Um, Josh Sargent, obviously, uh, is a player we're familiar with in the States. And, and we want to see him uh, do well, not only for you know the national team's benefit, but also for him in the Bundesliga because of that connection. Um, but I'm still waiting to see it from him. And now, as you mentioned, a lot of injuries, Fulker going down recently with, uh, with a, a really terrible injury, will give him much more, I would imagine, playing time and opportunity. But this is an example, you know, from what I witnessed, it wasn't good enough. Um, I thought um, he really struggled. He um, He's a player that at times can really frustrate you. You forget how young he is, and he's still got a long way to go. He's got to learn. Um, 19 years old is a young player for any player to play at the highest level, especially when there's pressure on your shoulders now to be the one who scores the goals and, and, and maybe you know keeps the team away from a relegation zone or, or keeps the team close to the European places. I think the biggest problem for Werder Bremen was they just allowed Max Kruse to leave the club without really replacing him and what he brought to that team and that type of leadership and, and the, the type of player that stood up and said, I'm going to take this whole club forward. That's what Max Kruse was. And they just sort of allowed that transfer to happen and let him leave and, and go do his thing. And, and, and it really disappointed me because I was looking forward to watching you know, what Josh Sargent might be able to do with a Max Cruz around that club. And pretty soon, Werder Bremer are going to have to make a few key signings. Yeah, and from Josh Sargent, and this is the first of the two Sunday games that we're going to talk about. Now, I want to only touch briefly on the, the Rhein derby um, because we have, of course, the big one uh, that we still need to discuss. But uh, Zach Steven, um, a keeper that I follow closely here in, in Major League Soccer, and then I was very excited First of all, when he did get this transfer to Man City, but I think it was always clear that he would be loaned out somewhere to get significant playing time. Um, and Lutz Pfannenstiel doing it again, seeing the talent, getting the talent. And he has been very, very good um, in his first five games in the Bundesliga. He was good against Gladbach too. A bit unfortunate that the game, um, that Gladbach came out and turned this game around. But what do you make of um, Zach Steven in the Bundesliga thus far, Ian? I'm very impressed with him. Um, I, I think he's a goalkeeper that has notoriously been a confident goalkeeper. Um, he obviously wanted to have his chance to play at the highest level possible so early on in his career. and Didn't quite know it would happen for him at the Bundesliga, but very happy that it did do because, you know, in the Bundesliga, again, you get this opportunity to play and at the club that he's gone to, he's certainly going to be worked. Um, and that seemed to have been the case so far for him. He's a very good shot stopper and, and he's got this confident head on his shoulders that, you know, he made a couple of saves today that most goalkeepers would try to maybe push over the crossbar or, or try to parry away or punch away in today's game. You see it so, so often, you know, he just calmly collects the ball or, or, or even one-handed catch he made today on a save. You know, it, it shows me a confidence in this kid that he's been welcomed in Germany very, very well. And the media, from what I have read already, has been very impressed with his performances, in particular the game in Bremen. Um, but also today, I was very, very impressed with his performance. Shot after shot after shot, he came up with something. And even the goals that they conceded, you know, it took two or three attempts to beat him. So... Unfortunate for him individually that he lost the game today. 
But again, another outstanding performance and a little help from his friends and his defense would have been nice from a game like this today. And, you know, today's show, Alexi Lalas had pointed out that it will be nice at some point when Zach Steffen can be hurled as, as a match winner or the guy who saved the points instead of saying, well, Dusseldorf lost this game, but Zach Steffen played well. So I'm waiting for that. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I think the time will come pretty pretty quickly. I, I think that, you know, it's only a matter of time for him. But boys, I want to move on to, yeah, Borussia Dortmund against uh, Eintracht Frankfurt, or rather Eintracht Frankfurt hosting this one. And uh, Chris, Dortmund do it again, drop points. I mean, okay, fairness, it is Frankfurt. It's one of the most difficult stadiums to play at. Um, they, the Waldstadion, as I like to call it, it's it's maybe the only stadium in the Bundesliga that, that can keep up in terms of atmosphere with, with the Signal Iduna, right? So, yes, it's okay to drop two points, but if you're up twice, you, you want to win that game, right? Yeah, you do. And we've seen it, well, time and time again last season, um, Dortmund maybe dropping points where you expect them to to not, um, if they're, especially if they're in a dominant part of the game last week. Obviously, I was there for the game against Leverkusen and everything they touched seemed to go in the back of the net. Um, today, different proposition. Once again, it's a game after you know a European week. They struggled with that the other season. I remember them going to Hertha Berlin, throwing away um, three points, or sorry, getting one point when they should have got three, really. In fact, they might have even been beaten that day. I remember they were exceptionally poor and that was straight off the back of a Champions League week. Um, if they want to win the Bundesliga and they do have all the ingredients to do that now, I think the coach is good enough. I think they've got the players in strength good enough. I think they've sorted out their defense pretty much by bringing um, Hummels in. Um, they've got all the ingredients there. It's just the cake hasn't risen yet, especially away from home. Um, and I'm worried for Dortmund because they seem to be going from good result to not a bad result, possibly could have been better and, you don't really build a season of anything on that. You don't win the Pokal doing that. You certainly don't win the Bundesliga doing that. And if you're going to be um, doing that in European competition, although they had a great result against Barcelona, they need to be picking up points back home um, in a title race as soon as they get back. They can't afford to rest on their laurels, which, um, yeah, are they? It doesn't seem to be a mentality problem because Marco Royce spoke out quite vociferously about that at the end of the final whistle. Yeah, he did. <laughs> he did. Um, and I think the English translation does not do it justice. Um, I, I think the German is much harsher. But let's say he said, you're getting on my last nerves with the whole mentality shit. The equalizer was a mentality issue. You can't be serious. Um, as I said, this sounds explicit in English. It was far more explicit in, in German. <laughs> he was, oh, he was. I mean, there was steam coming off his head when, when he was asked about the mentality issue. But I have to ask that question. Do you think Borussia Dortmund have a mentality problem? I don't think they have a mentality problem. Um, I, I think they have... I mean, it's hard to put your finger exactly on what is wrong with it. Because as Chris mentioned there, I mean, this is a, this is a team that, and a squad that has got all the ingredients to, to make a successful season and run at the, at the title. Um, I still have them as my favorite and and it's crazy to say considering giving up uh points the way they they should have had in the bag today um and also the way they performed in berlin at union 
um, there is still room for improvement tremendously from this squad. It is a long season. Uh, I think Leipzig will still go on up and down uh, roller coaster ride throughout the course of the campaign, even though they're the most consistent team right now. Bayern will be Bayern, and and they'll be there or thereabouts at the end of the season, and, and I think will still improve, providing everybody stays healthy, um, and and should probably be everybody else's favourites. But Dortmund, to me, are a team that they need to have this electricity every time they play. They, they want to create opportunities. They want to score more goals, five, six, seven goals every single game. And, and it, you can tell within 15, 20 minutes of a game whether Dortmund have got that, that buzz about them. And I watched the game today and there was phases in this match where it just looked like a flat performance. It looked like a tired performance. And, and maybe that's the issue. You know, Maybe the issue is that Lucien Favre needs to tinker with the lineup more. Maybe he needs to to make some changes from Champions League to then Bundesliga, which he didn't do. Um, and, and that's an issue. You know, is Lucien Favre the right guy? Does he bring energy into that locker room when it's after a Champions League game and, and the players are tired and, and you've got to positively to push your players, you know, like a, a Jurgen Klopp would uh, when he was in the, the black and yellow dressing room? You know, I, I don't know if he is that guy. He almost looked like he was, you know, a little... Um, uh, I don't know, clueless after the game. Where he sat back in, in the uh, on the bench and was was frustrated. You could see, but just didn't quite understand how they managed to not take all three points from that game. Um, they're frustrating Dortmund because they're such a talented squad of players, and and there's no doubt they could could have won that game by scoring three or four goals because there was certainly enough chances in the game, um, but consistency seems to be a big problem for them. And I don't think it's a mentality thing. I, I, I think it's either, you know, being able to manage the, the team, who plays, who rests, when players rest, when do your top players rest? Because week in and week out, expecting Jaden Sancho to bring it at such a young age is going to be difficult to do. Expecting Royce to be able to do that when, you know, he's really struggled throughout his career to be able to do it week in and week out without picking up injury. Um, and now he's on a great run without picking up injury um, over the last couple of seasons. Um, and even some of the uh, the fullbacks with Hakimi, you know, coming back into the team, like you can't play them week in and week out every single game and expect the same buzz and excitement. So I'd like to see them be coached a little bit better throughout the season. And it's interesting you bring that up, Ian, because it wasn't that long ago we were reading that some of the senior players um, weren't particularly happy with the rotation. And yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I like Lucien Favre. I think he's a great coach and I don't think um, he's going anywhere. But Dortmund has got this energy um, that once Jurgen Klopp left needed to be replaced. And I think Thomas Tuchel had that energy. He's a very animated coach on the sideline. He seems to be, he seems to um, mimic the, the, you know, the yellow wall, the stadium itself. It's a real atmospheric. And I think they need that type of coach who's on the side who if the, if it's going wrong he's there pointing and shouting like you see Klopp still do at Liverpool like you see Tuchel still do at PSG when it occasionally goes wrong for him there and I, I think that that club needs that I, I certainly don't think they need to sack Lucien Favre as well you should point that out um, as much as I can but I'm with you I, I think maybe he's too methodical maybe he's too much of a thinker and I don't think Borussia Dortmund is that club it's a it's a play football at 100 mile an hour with your pants on fire. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Every time you go to the stadium, you get excited. There's a buzz about the stadium, the supporters, the vibe and the atmosphere. And you expect that to translate down onto the field every single week. And if you look over to the sidelines, it's a bit of a flat personality. You know, his press conferences at the time lacking, obviously, the character and charisma that you would have from a more energetic coach like a Pep or like a Klopp or, yeah, you know, Thomas Tuchel was. Um, and, and that is missing, clearly. I'm not doubting in any way that he's a good coach, but I think that having that push, that drive, week in and week out from your coach, where you have rock and roll football and there's no let up, you're full foot down on the throttle and you're gone for every single game, no matter who you play against, no matter who plays. I don't see that at Dortmund. I almost see it as if it's a relaxed mentality under Lucien Favre, where a result like today may be accepted and it wouldn't be accepted under other coaches that do bring that energy and that passion on the sidelines week in and week out. You know, we're almost out of time, but I actually feel like maybe the ideal Borussia Dortmund head coach was sitting on the other bench tonight. You know, someone like Adi, Adi Hütter. I'm not saying Adi Hütter should become the next Borussia Dortmund coach, but th this is a head coach who brings a ton of energy. And, you know, what he's done in Frankfurt um, over the last season, the run in the Europa League, the energy that that club had on the pitch and then on the stands is very similar to Dortmund. And he reflects that very much. That's a good shout. And, and I don't see any reason why not. But at the same time, you still got to be able to impress Dortmund, not only domestically, but on the international stage in mm. Europe. And that's something that, you know, Eintracht Frankfurt have done last season. And this season, okay, slow start, but still, you know... He's got a bright future ahead of him, Adi Hutter. So I would never like to talk about replacing Lucien Favre <laughs> right now because there's still every chance that Dortmund could turn their, their uh, season around and win every single game between now and the end of the season. They have the players to do that. And Lucien Favre is a very good coach, but is he the guy that can keep them on, on pressure week in and week out? I'm still yet to be convinced by that. And I think that yeah. they may be questions that are being asked by the hierarchy because if you look at how much money they've spent and who they've brought in. Uh, you know, the Pulisic money brought um, brought a lot of players to, to Dortmund. Um, and yeah, they should be, well, they should be sitting top of the, of the Bundesliga, I'd think, at the moment with the, the additions they have. So yeah, maybe the winter break might bring some changes if, it, if they're still as lower down as they are now. Uh, bottom line is, and I, I want to point this out, I actually think that Lucien Favre is an excellent coach too. So I'm not talking Lucien Favre out of Dortmund, but results are the only thing that matters. It's a result-based uh, sport, isn't it? Uh, as Karl-Heinz Rummenigge likes to point out over and over again. Well, guys, unfortunately, we're out of time. This has been a pleasure, Ian. I really enjoyed having you on the show. And it's been so great talking to you about hearing about all your knowledge that you have about this game. Just absolutely brilliant. So thank you for coming on um, the show. Uh, thank you very much for having me. And anytime I get the opportunity to, to talk this great league, you know, as you both, you know, you've, you've both met me and, and we've talked now, it's really the best and most exciting league in the world for me. So whenever I get the opportunity to share my knowledge or share my passion or, or even my, my, my fanship, as it would be, I've never actually done an interview without mentioning St. Pauli as a supporter myself or the fact that we won the derby last week. So I might as well give St. Pauli <laughs> a shout out for winning that derby last week. And I look forward to seeing you guys soon, whether it be in the States or in Germany. Well, thanks you once, once again. And Chris, 
you know, um, I want to point out we have, of course, all the the match reports from the games that you went to, um, the games that I cover from over here. They're all on the at Football Grad Live on Twitter, and of course on the Football Grad Network. Is there anything else you want to point out this week? Uh, no, that's it. Just building now for the big clash in London in a couple of weeks, which is um, when Bayern come over to Tottenham. Absolutely, I can't wait, and uh, you know, I might be over in Europe for for a couple of games in that week as well. But guys, that's it. Until next week, auf Wiedersehen. Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, And his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.